Welcome to the Seven Resolutions Podcast, a podcast that debunks self-help and turns to God for real transformation power. With Carl Clausen and Jeremy Slager, you're going to discover the seven key resolutions that make life transformation possible. Now, in this episode five of the Seven Resolutions Podcast, we are going to be moving on to the second resolution. And you say that second resolution is to think truth. Now, you say that there are two kinds of wrong thinking. There is self-loathing and then there's self-elevating. And I wanted to start with self-elevating. You say that this lie thinks that God is a great help to the life you're building, that others are a means to move yourself up, that you look in the mirror and you see the highest authority in the world. And then you throw a little dagger in there at the end. <laughs> and oh, you, heard, you felt the dagger. I did. And if you hear the three lies above and think, that is never me, that is you. Because it's, it's, it's all of us at some time, right? Mm-hmm. Self-elevating can be deadly. Why is self-elevation so dangerous to the soul? Pride is the thing that caused Lucifer to fall from the presence of God. It did it to him. Yeah. It'll do it to us. You yeah. wanna you wanna you wanna fall out of God's presence? You know, pride is the is one character trait that God actually resists. Hmm. So some he'll just let you go sow your seed. Hmm. You, you want to bury the talent, bury the talent. Yeah. But when you're prideful, that stiff arm you're feeling in your face is God because he resists the proud. Wow. So it's not like pride is neutral, like, oh, he's prideful, so he's not really tracking with God. Pride means that we're actually flying in the face of God, and God will actually freeze us out. Imagine an arm going out mm. with a palm in the air, freezing that. It's kind of like a face mask on a guy trying to tackle you. We can be clinging, ringing, want to get closer to God, but pride actually will never let us touch him. Hmm. Do you think that the the recent push for self-esteem plays into pride? It's a kill. It's killing us, man. Here's here's in fact I was talking this about this on a radio show. I do a radio show. I think you said that earlier. Here in yeah. Chicago land. And we were talking about this just recently. Look, I think two things can coexist at one time. Mm. You can have been and I, my heart goes out to people, man, because some people that are maybe you're listening right now and you were just you just were emotionally beat up by mm. careless parents or absent parents or a dad that was never there. And the list goes on or reckless words from kids on a playground because you were the gangly kid or the kid that didn't look right or the wrong color or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. My heart goes out to everyone for that. And I don't want to hear I don't want anyone to hear less than that. That mm-hmm. is true. But that can also coexist with the fact that our greatest enemy is staring us in the mirror every morning. Yeah. Those can coexist, and they must. Mm-hmm. We live in such a litigious and blame game culture right mm-hmm. now that we're pointing the fingers at everyone. And, and a lot of people have some, right. there's credibility to some of this, um, some of these grievances. Mm-hmm. But this victim mentality is deadly jeremy mm-hmm. and the christian that is always pointing fingers are there are there are there uh narcissistic pastors yes mm-hmm. is that a massive has it been a problem in your life might have been huge mm-hmm. 
but don't forget looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. I am convinced our biggest problem, you know, the thing that's going to keep me, keep people out of heaven is not the narcissistic pastor. Mm-hmm. It's your own free will. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that. Yeah. That's a hard one to even grapple with. It is. Yeah, we we often so want an enemy on the outside that we can blame. And sometimes that, that is a true enemy and a true villain. But yeah, God has written into each of us. Maybe we don't get to decide the full story of our lives, but we get to decide how we act in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How do you think the the value of the image of God, the Imago Dei, in every individual relates to self-esteem? How are they different? Because there is value in every single person that we, as followers of Christ, want everybody to see and experience, but then self-esteem seems to have taken a different turn than just the, the value and worth of every individual. Yeah, this is, again, we're back to we are all made in the image of God. We're image bearers, Imago Dei, right on. Uh, But here's the problem. When we put too much, uh, when we begin to ascribe a level of worthiness to being made into the image of God where we're somehow an image that is without flaw, Mm. then we get into a blame game culture. Mm. But we can be Imago Dei and inherently flawed, but in Christ, then fully redeemed. You know, the interesting thing about image bearers that are purified through the blood of Jesus is that the, when the blood of Jesus was poured out, it became the atoning sacrifice for our sins, right? Mm-hmm. But what that means is that God now sees us through the veil of his blood, son's blood. So the darkness of our sin is obscured, but only the blood of Jesus is seen by our father. Mm. That's a totally different deal. Are there beautiful things inside every created person? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Lost people. I mean, antagonistically lost people can do good things at times. Mm -hmm. If you can't grapple with that one, you don't, you don't have your eyes open. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember seeing one time, this is fascinating. You talk about image of God. I remember one time seeing this old black and white footage of a guy who was bouncing his grandkids on his knees. Hmm. And he was life of the party and a smile. And I'd never seen a smile in all the other historical photos of this guy. Uh Smiling, laughing, and I mean hugging his grandkids and his children. Yeah. And that was Adolf Hitler. Mm. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So are there, is there a glimmer of God in the worst of us? Mm-hmm. The answer is yeah. But boy, yielded to God. Mm-hmm. That's the only hope we have. You mentioned that the, the second danger, um, the second lie that is believed is self-loathing. Yeah. Now, why do you think self-loathing is so dangerous to the soul? Because we diminish the very Imago Dei. Mm. We diminish the work that God has not only done in us in creation, but the work he's done in regeneration. Mm-hmm. So self-loathing is a horrible thing to say. To say, uh, to say I, 
I sometimes make decisions that are bad is one thing. To say I'm a bad person when you're in Christ is flawed. You're mm-hmm. a child of the king. Mm-hmm. I've been bought and paid for. I've now got a table with every other one of God's kids. I have a spiritual gift. I've got a calling. I've got a purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm created for something phenomenal. So it's weird because you fall off two sides of this high ridge. If the high ridge of the mountain, and I scampered up a, a mountain in Alaska one time with some buddies, and they had mm-hmm. no fear of heights, and I was terrified. So I'll tell you how I do mountain climbing when I get on a ridge. I look like a wet dish rag over <laughs> that ridge. I, uh-huh. I drooped all four limbs, blah, hanging out. Because <laughs> if I fell one way on this ridge, no kidding, yeah, I would have died. You fall the other way, you wouldn't die, but you'd be so mangled, you would have wished you'd fallen the other way. That's uh-huh. on this ridge I was on. That's kind of what we're talking about here. The mm-hmm. high ridge of thinking truth avoids self-loathing and avoid self-elevating. Both of mm-hmm. them, you fall to your death. Mm. Now, one of the one aspect that I think is so important as I think about self-loathing is that little voice in our head that is always, it's always with us. Um, you can never fully get rid of it, but it is a voice of condemnation. Uh, yeah. we, I would call it the inner critic. And it's it's that voice when you mess something up yeah that says you're worthless yeah you should be so much better than this by now when you say the wrong thing it is the quick to condemn and be harsh and i think learning how to manage that inner critic is so important to self-loathing and to to being able to undo the the problems of self-loathing yeah convicting power of the holy spirit is great yeah the condemning power of Satan is horrific. Mm-hmm. And learning the difference between those voices is critical. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to have one of these in your hand. Yeah, the Bible. The Bible. Mm-hmm. You got to have one in your hand. Yeah, I heard somebody say once, um, they were kind of talking about what are some of the words that your inner critic uses toward you? And it's describe it. It's harsh. It's sometimes cruel. It's con- condemnation. And then he said, "Now think of what is God's attitude towards you? It's loving. It's kind. It's patient." And it, it wrecked me. He said, "What if you were as least as loving towards yourself as God is?" Yeah, I mean that is absolutely true. Of uh, and yet conviction. Conviction sometimes, here's what I believe. I believe conviction from our loving Heavenly Father is like the greatest kind of consequence you can ever get for mm-hmm. discipline. Mm-hmm. It is, it's like my, my dad was a great dad. My mm-hmm. dad never spanked my behind, and he mm-hmm. did without a tear in his eye. Mm-hmm. Not once. Mm-hmm. Not wild, Jeremy. That is. He never, he never spanked me out of anger. He spanked me out of love. I'll never forget one time he spanked me particularly hard because I had done something particularly bonehead. And when I got up, I'm crying and it's hurting. Mm-hmm. And he's sobbing. And he says, Carl, I, I love you. I don't want to do this. So, you know, our Heavenly Father is a perfect Father. There's going to be discipline mm-hmm. and there will be conviction, but it is 
It is the voice of God that loves you. It's mm-hmm. not punishment. It's correction for the purpose of taking hold of what he has for us. Right. There is no condemnation. None for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And that conviction is meant for, for repentance, to restore that relationship. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so we touched on, on this topic in episode three about the information overload. Um, and in this chapter on thinking truth, you, you talk about how our world continues to, to ratchet up the sensation yeah. in their stories. And it's not just like big media outlets even that I, that I see. I see even in individuals where it's like the more hysterical your post is online, right. the more people are going to respond to it. And there's like this incentive to continue to sensationalize. And I love how you put it, to market trauma and that it's damaging. How do you think this current culture that markets trauma affects our ability to think truth? I think we've got to take a machete to go through this jungle Hmm. to chop it all down. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, not only are we, like you said earlier, such in an information overload situation, the information that we've got coming at us is so sensationalized. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's big, it's bold, it's in your face. Everybody's getting our attention with everything. Again, this is going to sound like a bit of a broken record here, but the only way to think truth is to get into a quiet place where you can sort through the weeds of these lies. Mm-hmm. You almost got to take a machete through a jungle of weeds and take the time to chop these things away mm-hmm. just to see what in the world is really true here. Mm-hmm. Even taking a machete to your calendar. <laughs> Yeah, man. Thank you. <laughs> Bring it up again. Uh-huh. Yeah, create that space. So in the in the ending segments of this episode, I want to do the transformation moment. And yeah. as we're talking about thinking truth, when did you discover a lie about yourself that you had believed in? You know, it was a just a unbelievable day. I was listening to a guy. He's older now. His name's Neil Anderson. And he was at a conference in Portland, Oregon. And he's talking about spiritual warfare. But then he's talking about our identity in Christ. He was one of the mm-hmm. first guys to really reintroduce it to us here in, in, in America in a clear way. And when I walked out of there, I can only tell you this. I must have walked in there thinking that the condemnation I was feeling was probably right Hmm. Mm -hmm. that the estrangement from God I was feeling was probably right that Mm -hmm. the fact that I felt like I would never really match up to what God's expectations for me were was probably right and the reason I know that is when I walked out of there and I realized there isn't condemnation for me and that God does love me Mm -hmm. and he's cheering me on and that he's for me and not against me and that he really does like me That's when I knew I had been buying lies and didn't know it. Here's the problem. When you're self-deceived, you're self-deceived. Yeah. And only the light of truth. Thinking truth is the most powerful thing. And here's why, Jeremy. What we think about today will be walked out in our life tomorrow. Mm. It will be. Mm -hmm. If you think you're worthless, you'll walk like worthless. And I can prove this in a simple little way. 
when you start hearing affirming truth, not not fake stuff, not uh, fake props or something, mm-hmm. but affirming truth. I'll never forget the first message I preached at a big church in Little Rock when I was just a young pastor, and the guy asked me, Robert Lewis, asked me to take the pulpit. I preached. I preached too long the first service. The woman that's overseeing the service, I'll never forget her. Brenda walked up and says, that was powerful. God was working in here. Uh, but our transition time, we got it like 3,000 people here, and it takes them a while to get them swapped out. Come on, mm-hmm. 10 minutes over. Wondering if you could tighten it up for the next service a little bit. Next service, I went seven minutes longer than the first one, <laughs> even though I told her I would. Uh-huh. So Robert Lewis walked in the next day into my office, and I thought, oh, no. Yeah. He's going to blast me. He looked at me, big strap of dude, football player. And he said, Carl, I need to tell you something. I was reading the scriptures this morning. This is what I found. You see a man skilled in what he does, he will stand before kings. That's what I think about that message you preached yesterday. Mm. Whoa. What that did for me was amazing. Mm -hmm. To this day, I remember it. Isn't that amazing how I can remember it it just so clearly? Yeah. But God's word is loaded with those truths. Satan wants us to believe the lie. We need to think truth so that we don't either self-exalt or self-loathe. Bottom line. What's the role of community in thinking truth? You get get people in there pointing you back to the word and the truth of who you are. I do that with my wife Mm -hmm. all the time. She does it for me. Mm Mm-hmm. She'll say to me, what What are you doing talking like that? Yeah. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Yeah, because I've noticed that too in myself where it's like when I'm feeling more isolated. Yeah. It's like a, like a wolf and a sheep. It's like when that sheep drifts off on their own, they're prime prey. And But when you are gathered together, particularly with solid, faithful Christians, yes, like they can bring that truth back to your life. They can recognize when you're starting to believe a lie Boom. and call you back. That's absolutely right. That's amazing. Um, so on to the God's power habit. Okay. Help us out. How do we think truth? What's something that we can do on a regular basis that will renew our mind and help us to think truth? Flashcards and post-it notes. Uh, One of the biggest victory stories, I'm tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but not Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, If you've got to re-groove your thinking, Mm -hmm. a a blog that I wrote, a truth blog that I have now uh, on the website associated with this book, but it's called Think Like a Winner. Mm -hmm. I think it was downloaded last time I checked like 50,000 times Mm. because when I tell people on a radio show, you got to know the truth of who you are in Christ, Mm -hmm. and I've just bulletized this list. People flock to that because they're dying to know the truth. Mm-hmm. But you can't just do read it one and done. You got to commit some of these truths to memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, one girl that was ritually uh, abused satanically in her youth was mentored by my wife. Mm. Uh, when I say ritual satanic abuse, I'm talking ritual satanic abuse. Huh. What she had to dig out from under was huge. She was radically transformed by Jesus. And then my my wife mentored her. This girl had in her home huge post-it notes all over the place and mm. flashcards. And everywhere she walked, she had the truth of who she mm. is in Jesus posted everywhere. She had it on her mirrors to the point where she could only see one little area where her <laughs> face could stick through. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. You got to quit believing mm-hmm. lies because those will be walked out in your life tomorrow. Conversely, mm-hmm. you think truth, that'll be lived out in your life too. And oh baby, that's where God's promises are realized. Amen to that. 
Well, I hope you have been challenged and blessed by this fifth episode of the Seven Resolutions podcast. Um, And we hope you'll join us next time when we get into the next resolution. And it's going to be a doozy. It is killing sin. So we'll see you then.